0: all the rest of those on the field, and you found yourself saying things like, ah, oh, she is just unstoppable, right? Maybe it was, a, maybe it was that person that, uh, I mean, a running back, and I mean, nobody, nobody could stop them. They, they just give them the ball and let them run. Or maybe it was that person that just continued to sink three-pointers again and again and again and again, and you're like, they're just unstoppable. That, that word is an interesting word. And in fact, as we wrap up our series in the book of Acts, as we come to Acts chapter 28, we mentioned this the very first week we launched this series, months ago, that the, the very last chapter, the very last paragraph, the very last sentence, actually the very last word in the book of Acts is a very interesting word related to this idea of being unstoppable. So I want to take us there, Acts chapter 28, and let me just read the, the kind of the, the final two verses of this incredible book that is the account of the movement of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and how the early church was born, and the message of Christ was spreading, and more and more people were believing. And it says... In Acts chapter 28, verse 30 and 31, for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. And he welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, and no one tried to stop him. He was unstoppable. (laughs) Now, what's interesting, that phrase, and no one tried to stop him, it comes from, a, from one singular Greek word, akaloutos, which means without hindrance. It's why the New American Standard Version of the Bible uh, translates those same verses this way. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters, was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching Concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. And what we're going to see, I think, in this passage, and as we kind of think back over the entire book of Acts, I see two things that were unhindered, both hospitality and hope. Unhindered hospitality and unhindered hope hope. And I see these showing up right here in the passage. Uh, again, let's go back to Acts 28, beginning in verse 30. It says, And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him. That phrase, welcoming all, it's, it's, it's the, the concept that we get in English called hospitality. Paul was just hospitable. He was Welcoming everyone in the the, the word literally means to accept gladly, to welcome, to and to entertain with hospitality or to embrace. It's this warm, endearing, loving, welcome and embrace. It's unhindered hospitality. Now, when, when you and I think about hospitality, maybe we think about, you know, well, at least light a candle before the the, the, the friends come over, or, or, you know, let's hey, let's put a plate of cookies out on the table, or let's be honest, for some of us, hospitality just means, man, wiping the toilets down and uh, making sure there's not Legos all over the living room floor for people to step on, right? I don't know what your concept of hospitality is, but when it comes to biblical hospitality, the kind of hospitality that Paul was showing in the book of Acts that was being lived out in the midst of the early church, in the hearts and lives of followers of Jesus, it was a much deeper, richer, more potent kind of hospitality. In fact, uh, oftentimes in that day, people showed hospitality, not just to their friends or, you know, people that came over to hang out or their neighbors. They showed hospitality towards complete strangers in fact, it, it, some Bible scholars believe that uh, it was customary that when somebody took someone into their home after they had been, you know, someone had been traveling, they would welcome them into t- the town and into their own home and pro- provide a meal for them and grant protection for them, and they wouldn't even ask the person's name until they had already sat down and fed them a meal. Hospitality was so important in that culture, and it was incredibly important and powerful in the life of the early church. It was hospitality that was unhindered. And the, the most astounding thing about this hospitality, I mean, we just read Paul was welcoming everybody into his own home. In fact, let me, let me just go back two slides. It says, and he stayed there two full years in his own rented quarters. Now, this is interesting It's actually mind-blowing because Paul was under house arrest. (laughs) If there would be anything that you would think that would get in the way of someone showing hospitality, it would be being locked up. And yet Paul, under house arrest, he's renting his own home at his own expense, maybe being supported by some other Christians in the community that loved and cared for him. And he's chained up, and he's welcoming everybody basically into his jail cell, his rented quarters. Now that is unhindered hospitality. He's not thinking, woe is me, and why am I locked up, and this isn't fair. He's continuing to show love and kindness and welcome people in. Unhindered hospitality. So What we see happening throughout the book of Acts that we've studied over the last months is that this hospitality shows up again and again and again. In Acts chapter 2, I mean, this is right after the Holy Spirit comes down and believers are filled by God's Spirit, and they start to commune and share life and share everything that they have with one another, and they're digging into the truths of Scripture. It says, and they worship together at the temple each day, but they also, they met in homes. They met in the homes for the Lord's Supper, and and it says, and they shared their meals, and there was great joy and generosity. It was unhindered hospitality. They just opened up their homes. They just opened up their lives. They just shared everything that they had, something powerful about hospitality, and hospitality that was unhindered. When we go to jump up forward to Acts chapter 9 and 10, there's three different examples of hospitality just in these two chapters alone. Peter, for instance, he accepts the hospitality of this man named Simon the Tanner in Joppa in chapter 9, verse 43, and 10, verse 6. Not only that, Peter extends hospitality to Cornelius' messengers in chapter 10. And then uh, in chapter 10, towards the end, Verse 24, it says, Peter accepts hospitality from Cornelius, a Roman centurion that was living in Caesarea. See, hospitality just marked the lives of followers of Jesus. In fact, uh, Andrew Arterbury about this says, for most early Christians, he says, an absence of hospitality would mean an absence of love for God and neighbor. It was that serious. It was that important. And dare I say, it's still that important. It's still that serious. Just as this unhindered hospitality marked Paul's life and so many of the believers that were part of the early church, it ought to mark your life and my life. So how are we doing when it comes to showing hospitality? And remember, this is, this is more than just putting out a plate of cookies, <laughs> I was wrestling with this in my own life and asking myself some questions like, have I opened my house lately to somebody that just needs some extra care or support? Or when was the last time that we had the neighbors over the, or, or took them a plate of cookies? It doesn't always have to be some, some huge thing, and yet, you know, in that day and age, Oftentimes, when somebody would welcome someone into their home and show hospitality to complete strangers, they would forge a friendship over that meal, and before that person would then leave to carry on in their travels, oftentimes they would exchange expensive gifts. And, and, And hospitality in that day was both a give and take. If you showed hospitality, you had the promise of the person that you showed hospitality towards that if you ever entered into their town, their region that you'd be overwhelmingly welcomed into their homes and they would do the same for you. It was, a, it was like a covenant commitment of showing love and providing and protecting one another. It was hospitality that was unhindered. How have I recently opened my life to others? How have we recently helped someone feel safe or provided for their needs? I wonder, what is it? What's hindering us from being more hospitable? It might be busy schedules. It might just, it might just be selfishness. I don't know what it, what might be getting in the way. But this is what marked Paul's life, and it was what marked the early church, and it ought to mark your life and my life. And I think about those in the room right now that might— not be a follower of Jesus, you're just kind of coming and exploring faith. I wonder, like, I hope, I pray that that you've rubbed shoulders with somebody that calls themselves a follower of Jesus and in some way they've shown love, care, hospitality towards you, opened up their home, uh, took you to dinner, bought you a meal, showed kindness and care because that's at the heart of Jesus. And it was at the heart of the early church and it was this hospitality that paul shows i mean while he's under house arrest that then opens the door to the next thing that's unhindered unhindered hope you see paul paul he's welcoming everyone in the text says and he's he's there for two years under house arrest He's welcoming everybody who came to him. And then verse 31 says, what was he do when they came to him? When they they came into his rented quarters in Rome, he was preaching the kingdom of God. He was sharing hope. Hope unhindered. He was speaking about God's kingdom. He was reminding people that, Uh, This world that we live in is not all that there is. And this world that we live in is not the way it was meant to be. That we live in a broken, fallen world with hatred and sickness and death and dying. And Paul was pointing people towards hope. An unhindered hope. The hope of a different kingdom. that's, That's beyond the kingdom of this world. It's a kingdom that ultimately is yet to come, and yet it is a kingdom that can come to bear in this life in the here and now. It's why the Lord's Prayer says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a prayer for God's kingdom to invade earth. And and Paul actually wrote to the Romans. I mean, here he is in jail, and he's writing to the Romans in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. And this is how he describes the kingdom of God. Listen, it's not just a, a massive buffet in heaven someday like we think and talk about and kind of hope it is. He says, but the kingdom of God, it's not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This was the unhindered hope that Paul was sharing with people while under house arrest. As he welcomed them in, he shares real hope. The hope of, of living a life of goodness when, when everything around us feels evil or bad. Of, of living a life of peace when we're marked and marred in our world and in our souls with anxieties and fears, that we can actually have real peace. And that even in the midst of great loss and hardship and pain, we can experience joy, joy in the Holy Spirit. Because we've clung to a hope that is unhindered. Paul was sharing unhindered hospitality, and he was sharing unhindered hope, the hope of the kingdom of God. And it goes on to say he was preaching the kingdom of God, and it says, teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. So Paul was speaking about the kingdom of God, which it can't be separated from the king of that kingdom. And that's why he was honing in, focusing on Jesus, because Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And when we align ourselves with Jesus, we become members of his kingdom, and his kingdom starts to impact this world. Paul's life had been radically changed by Jesus. For Paul, everything was about Jesus. In other letters, Paul writes, All I I care about is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Paul had fallen in love with the resurrected Jesus Christ who had saved his life, who had changed his life, who had extended forgiveness and grace. Paul had experienced unhindered hope. And now... Even under house arrests, he's sharing that same hope, unhindered. And this is the same hope that's, that marks the whole book of Acts. We've studied it over these months together. Remember, the very, if you were here, the very first weekend when we launched into the book of Acts, we looked at this incredible uh, proclamation and promise from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is really about a promise of unhindered hope. This was Jesus' own words. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. What was Jesus saying to those disciples that were gathered there that day? He was saying, listen, you are going to share hope. And you're going to have such power and ability that nothing will hinder it. You will be unstoppable. My message, Jesus was saying, will be unstoppable. He said, it, you're going to share that message of hope to the very ends of the earth. This time of the year, that's what I love about Operation Christmas Child. Out, out in the... In the atrium, there, there's a table and there's little green and red Christmas boxes and, and people have been picking them up and there's still some out there and so the, you still have time. You still have a chance. If you haven't grabbed an OCC box, you just pick it up and, and then you take it home and then you purchase some gifts for, for a young boy or girl and, 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 and then you box it up and, and then those get shipped all over the globe and with the, every single box comes an explanation, an explanation of who Jesus is. An explanation of the gospel. When kids open these gifts, someone will share with them about this unhindered hope, the hope of Christ. And and so we all can still get in on it. It's part of fulfilling what Jesus said. You're going to be my witnesses. This is one small, really simple way to be a witness for Christ by investing in a child so that they can hear about the hope of Jesus. And so, so grab a box before you leave today, or, or two, or five, or wh- however many you, you're willing to fill. And then don't forget to bring those back. You can start bringing those back and just bring them to the atrium. November 20th is the last opportunity for us to turn those in. We want to leave a mark. We want to we share this unhindered hope with kids that so desperately need it blessed on this Christmas well this hope that that Paul was sharing at the very end of Acts has been being shared throughout the pages of the book of Acts as the early church is growing and more people are believing in Acts chapter 2 Peter he's sharing this hope verse 36 it says so let everyone in Israel this is Peter preaching he says and know for certain that this God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah and it says in verse 37 Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? They were like, I've got to respond to this. This is real hope. And people's lives were radically changed. Hope filled their souls for the first time because they began a relationship with Jesus. Peter was sharing that hope in Acts chapter 7. And listen, we call it unhindered hope. It doesn't mean that there weren't some hindrances along the way. Trust me, as, as, the, as the good news of Jesus was being shared and spread and the early church was growing, there was a lot of push, pushback. There was a lot of persecution. In fact, Stephen in Acts chapter 7, he's sharing this hope and it says, and as they stoned him, As they threw rocks to take his life for telling people about the hope of the risen Jesus, it says, And Stephen prayed, Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees, and look at what he was shouting. It sounds like Jesus from the cross. Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. In Stephen's very last breath, when people thought he was being taken out, he was unhindered in sharing hope. He was sharing the hope to those throwing rocks, taking his life. He was sharing with them the hope that they could be forgiven for the very thing that they were doing to him. That is hope. That's hope that is unhindered. It's unhindered stoppable. In Acts chapter 8 we read that another wave of heavy persecution hit the early church and yet the believers they continued to share hope. Look at what verse 4 says, but the believers who were scattered because of the persecution, like people literally running for their lives, it says as they were scattered They preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. You'd think, they think, man, we just got to keep quiet about this. We just got to run and hide. And yet that's not what happened. (laughs) They ran, but they shared. They couldn't help but be changed by the hope that they had experienced. So much so, they were willing to risk their lives. It was hope. It was hope unhindered. Acts chapter 12, Peter, he's imprisoned for sharing hope. We read about it um, a month ago or so, and it says, while Peter was in prison, the church prayed. And if you remember what happens in the rest of Acts chapter 12, there's this miraculous prison break. And it says that all the believers, they were blown away. They couldn't believe that God answered their prayers. And because of this, they were all emboldened even more to do what? to share hope, hope unhindered. And then Acts chapter 13 to 20, we've, we've tracked over the last several weeks with the Apostle Paul on his three different missionary journeys. And what is he doing and his comrades? They're sharing hope. And I mean, they're thrown in jail. They're, they're beaten. They're chased out of town. There's, there's plots against them. He, he's put in jail and he's having to go before court after court after court. There's all kinds, listen you guys, there's all kinds of hindrances. And yet, the message of Jesus is still unhindered. See, this is what the whole book of Acts is about. This is what the church of Jesus today is all about about. And then we come to Acts chapter 28 where we land and end this series. And remember it said at the very end of the chapter that he was, Paul was welcoming everybody in. In verse 23 it says, so a time was set and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. It says he explained and testified about what? The kingdom of God, because that's the kingdom of hope. And it says, and he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the king of the kingdom. A king that doesn't make everybody else go out and fight for him while he sits cushy and safe. Jesus was a king that went out first and fought and gave up his life so that we could be part of his kingdom. And it says he reasoned with them from the scriptures. He used the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, and he spoke to them from morning till evening. And it says in verse 24, and some were persuaded. Yes, some others did not believe, but some were persuaded. What Paul, what the early church, what the early disciples and apostles, what they held on to was hope hope unhindered, that there was hope for anybody and everybody. They opened up their homes and they they welcomed people in and they showed love and care and they served one another and they shared with one another and they were generous with one another and they experienced joy together. It was unhindered hospitality and it was that unhindered hospitality that opened the doorway for them to share unhindered You'd think that Paul being in, in, in lockup, basically, would have, would have really gotten in the way. But look at what he writes. And he wrote the book of Philippians, probably from jail in Rome. And he says these words. He says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, uh, everything that's happened to me here has helped me spread the good news. Everything that's happened to me, being locked up. He says, and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence, and they boldly speak God's message without fear unhindered hospitality and unhindered hope andrew otterbury says the cross-cultural practice of hospitality provides an ideal vehicle for sharing the gospel with unbelievers and unifying the christian church so how are we doing when it comes to being hospitable and how are we doing Sharing this unhindered hope. You know, one of the, it's what unifies us. It's what unifies the church as a whole all over the globe. And you know, we, we're fortunate. We live in a place where there's still great freedom to open our homes, to meet in Bible studies, to, to have people over, to have people in, to invite somebody to, 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 to share our story, to invite someone to church, to, to share a podcast about real living faith. And yet there's places in the world where it seems as if the gospel could be hindered. In fact, this weekend is the International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church. As we close our services, this is unfathomable to me. 360 million Christians around the world suffer high levels of persecution. Opendoors.org says, 5110 christian churches and buildings were destroyed just last year. And 6000 christians were killed for their faith just in the last year and that's just the number that have been counted that we know for certain. And yet the hope of Jesus it's unstoppable. It's unhindered unhindered hospitality hope you know that we as a chapel we support um, a village and we have two ministries uh, in one of the top ten most persecuted countries in the world in India and we've partnered with Hindustan Bible Institute and they're training and equipping pastors and we've partnered with India Gospel League and we've adopted a village in India where, where people some, sometimes are literally dying for their faith And so as we close our services and as we think together about all the freedoms that we have, and yet we hinder ourselves, I want us to just take a few moments to pray for unhindered hospitality and unhindered hope in India, in Burundi, in places all over the globe where Christians are having to meet in secret this weekend. And let's also pray for our church and for our community and for the churches in America that we'd have a greater boldness to share this unhindered hope. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for the message of the gospel and the message of the book of Acts. God, today we pray for believers all around the world, especially those in India, especially those in the village that we've adopted. God, would you give them great courage? Would you give them what they need? Would you supply their needs so that they can open up their homes to others, showing the hospitality, the welcome of Jesus? And God, would you give them courage to share your hope with everything that comes against them, fearing for their lives? May the message of Jesus continue to be unstoppable, unhindered. And Jesus, would you also give us a greater hope, a greater courage, a greater boldness, a greater love to open our lives, open our homes to others, and to share this incredible news of Jesus who was unhindered. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Have a great rest of your weekend.